When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Good evening all and welcome to the Rangers Rabble podcast. Um... We're on for a, something different tonight. Um, we are live on YouTube, Facebook and Twitter and we're doing a show called Best of the Rest. Now, the people probably watching probably have never heard that we do this, but um, myself and Kerr and Jamie Curry have been doing Best of the Rest. Martin done it at the start and done a show on Patreon from our Patreon viewers about the week's games. The old tagline was, we watch sports scenes so you don't have to, right? And that's the last time you're going to hear it after me on this. Um, we have shuffled up, so JC and Kerr aren't available tonight. I think Kerr's away to a, he's away to a boys own concert. Can they believe it, man? A boys own concert. So Kerr's away to a boys own concert with Slipknot t-shirt on. So um joined by William. William, how are you doing? Hi, all good, thanks, mate. I had to rush home to work there, but I'm here. I know, well, I was like to William, are you ready, mate? He's like, no, I'm, I'm still coming home from my work. I'm like, oh, no, we're going to need to cancel this. And then literally within two seconds, you're there. You just you just went like that and arrived. I so can. we are. So just as a wee heads up, just thanks to anybody who's watching. We know this is probably not of everybody's taste because you expect the Rangers rabble to be about Rangers. And it really is, right? We were kind of done the brief away back to do this and we wouldn't be talking about Rangers. But when I'm on... And Kerr tries to stay out. Kerr tries to sit in the fence a lot of the time. But when I'm on, I'm I always end up going back to Rangers. And I think a lot of people say, William, that oh, I don't watch that SPL shit, or I don't watch, I can't watch, don't watch Celtic, right? And I probably used to be the same as that until I started saying to Martin, I'll do this show. I actually really enjoyed watching the SPL games, right? And I've been I've been pure advocating that the SPFL has been brilliant. The English, the EPL is rubbish. And then I watched the Man United game last yesterday and I was like, oh, wow, I mean, what, what a different yeah. level that is. But we're here to talk about the SPFL, um, William. Just before we look at this week's games, what's your, what's your take on the SPFL, the kind of season so far, just for in general, the kind of football we've seen and stuff? 
I think it's actually been a reasonably good season. I think when you look at the top six at the moment, it's probably not the top six that a lot of people would have thought it was going to be. You know, you look at where like Hibs are, you look at where Aberdeen are, it's probably been a few surprises this year. I, I, think, I think Ross County have been exceptional the last couple of months. I think they, you know, they look a dangerous team. They've got two or three really good individual players who seem to have helped them kind of move up the table. Yeah, Livingston, yeah. I mean, Livingston considering, you know, the budget they've got and stuff like that, they've been exceptional this season. You know, they really have. Hearts have probably maybe done better than some people thought just because they've obviously just come up for the championship and things like that. So people maybe didn't think they would have maybe hit the, you know, that kind of stride straight away. But they've done exceptionally well. And yeah. he's a big like, I watch all of Scottish games because I want to see maybe potential Rangers players. So, like, from my point of view, like, obviously this season, we think John Suter and Benjamin Segrist has obviously been linked to us. So I've watched some Dundee United games, even though I've seen the guy previously. Um, and I'm always interested to see, like, some of the young players coming through at other clubs or maybe right. guys that have left Rangers who who are now, you know, doing well somewhere else. So that's, like, kind of the things that I quite, quite enjoy. Yeah. I, I think as well for me. See, you know what... I, I think we do the preview shows and all that as well. So I think you, I, I watch, I, I, you probably need to know a wee bit about the clubs. You need to know about the players. And like you say, we always end up looking back at the players who have either left yeah. or left when they were younger. Craig Halkett, me and Kerr and Jamie always revert back to talking about Craig Halkett when we played because he was a Rangers youth. Didn't they really yeah. break through, but now he's a solid, solid centre half in the SPFL. Um, just You touched on Hearts there, William, so we'll just go straight to them and... Um, Tynecastle on Saturday it was, and they got a 2 2 draw with Dundee United. Now, when you look at the game, um, just first and foremost, the game kicks off, man, within one minute, right? Um, Liam Boyce, that's some some finish for Liam Boyce to put hearts up 1 0. Look, I think anytime you're going to Tannadice, you know, it's going to be a tough game. Um, well, sorry, Tannadice, I said Tynecastle. I, I mean, like Dundee United at home have been pretty decent this season, so for Hearts to go and take the lead early doors, I thought was a big thing for them. But I think the one thing you've realised this season, I mean, obviously, like, Rangers and Dunn United don't exactly have a lot of love for each other, let's be totally honest, you know. Um, but I think they've been much better this year than a lot of people thought. And, yeah, again, they've got a lot of really, really good young players who have been bloodied into the first team. Um, something that I quite enjoy, you know, I think it's something that more clubs in Scotland need to do, because at the end of the day, if you don't promote from within, we don't really have the money in this country to go out and bring in, you know, good to very good players. So, like, my attitude towards football in Scotland is we should see more players getting, you know, sort of promoted to the academies into the first team. Yeah. I think that's the way forward for a lot of clubs in Scotland, if they can do it. I think Dundee United have got good have got good track record of doing that as well, William. Yeah. And if you look at if you probably look at the bench, McLeod, Mikison, Mockery. Moore, I mean, these are I mean, the boy Craig Moore, 16 year old, born in 2005. Well, on the bench for the first team, um, that's amazing just for them to get and see the Tom Courts. What's your, what's your thoughts on him? I think he's done a lot better than what anybody could ever have imagined. And I thought United were just, I mean, I've got I, one of the jokes of the show that we've had running was, I'm a Dundee United fan, right? I'm certainly not right, but. <laughs> a lot of my in-laws, all my in-laws are Dundee United fans. They're off of Dundee, so um, 
not beyond their wildest dreams that they imagine they would be in the position they were in or had the start to the season and cement, try and cement top six. Even if they don't get top six, they're going to be happy with what's happened this season, no matter what. No, look, I mean, obviously, there's a few boys that have left Rangers academies and actually moved to Dundee United in the last few years. Sam Lovey being one of them. Sam is a really good player at Rangers Academy, moved to Dundee United. And I know, like, speaking to some other people, I think the appointment of Tam Courts maybe surprised people because he was kind of one of those guys. It's not like it was like the merry-go-round of Scottish football where, like, one manager goes from place to place to place to place. This guy basically never really managed, apart from a small spell like Kelby yeah. Hearts, I think it was. So I think people in the summer thought maybe it was a cheap option. But it's got to be said he's done a hell of a job. And, you know, guys like Kerr Smith, who was only 16, he gets sold to Aston Villa. And I think, like, the boy Rory McLeod recently got his first appearance. I think he's literally just started 16, like, a matter of days after his yeah, 16th birthday. So I know... I get the, the the fact that people say like Rangers kind of really do that. Rangers kind of give too many guys their debuts at sixteen in a couple of days, but see, you see other teams doing it. I think it shows that we could do it because if you believe in something, you think they've got enough ability, then why not put them in the squad? Why not give them that opportunity to play? And I think that's what he's done this season, and it's probably going to benefit Dundee United in the future because when English clubs see a sixteen-year-old playing in the first team. Scouts are up here like that. Yeah. And within a year, you could probably sell these guys for half a million pounds, a million pounds. That's just how it is in Scotland. Dundee United, if Kerr Smith does really well down in England, they could recoup something like two, three, four million pounds for that kid. And that's incredible for somebody that was only 16 years old. See, I mean, it's touching on that, you know, and Rangers fans will long for a young guy. And Alex Lowry's come in. And see, if, see if Alex Lowry was playing with Dundee United now, he'd be, he would have a full season under his belt just now, but just it is the way it is with Rangers, unfortunately, because you you see the youths yourself, you know all these young guys, but probably none of them are as good as an Alex Lowry for what we've seen this season, William. I look, it's a fair criticism, and it's a fair point to make. I'm sure there's a lot of guys in the comments, so, you know, see, to me, Alex is one of the most technically gifted players that I've seen, so if he was probably at a Motherwell or a Dundee United um, probably even a Ross County as a mum. He would have probably played 50-plus games by now in the first team. And this is where, like, there's always that kind of fine line between Rangers and other teams because I get the fact there's always the, you know, like, we've got to win the league title, we've got to win cups, we've got... But there's also that thing of how long can you keep somebody sitting in the stand? How long can you keep yeah. somebody sitting on the bench before they make... Whereas it seems as though at Dundee United, if they think you're good enough at 16, they'll put you in the first team. Maybe that's also to keep you at the club. Maybe that's part of their pathway because uh, even going back to Rory McLeod earlier, Rangers were interested in him and so was a lot of English clubs. But Dundee United could, could basically say to this kid at 16 years old, you're going to be part of our first team squad. Rangers couldn't have provided that to Rory. And most English clubs would have probably sat him in their under-18s and then moved up to their under-23s. Whereas right now, this kid's going to be part of a Dundee United first team at 16 years old. That's just not something you're going to see that often at Rangers, unfortunately. You're not. Listen, just let me jump on, by the way. We usually record this. This is the first time we've ever done this live, so I actually forgot. Um, there was people until you said it there, Ron. There's people in the comments. So good, <laughs> good evening to folk in there. And of course, CGM, 
Um, good evening. Of course, of course. Um, but that's you and Martin's kind of thing. See, James, you need to think of something decent to, to be your thing with me. You know that, because that's Martin's thing. Anyway, um, apologies, yeah. So we'll, we'll get on to the other teams. I've seen a few people mention, um, I know CGM, you're also seeing, when you don't know him, do it with Rangers or in the SPL, you would see play for Rangers. It's probably just the week's gone when we do this. There's a few players that I certainly would take in at Rangers, whether they be squad players or no, but I definitely think there's some players that um, would definitely add to our squad in certain positions. Um, anyway, William, we'll go back to the Hearts Stunned United yep. game. The Hearts do go up 1-0, crack and go by, by boys. And Kerr said this a few times on here. He's somebody that's always kind of raises his game against us and gives us a bit of trouble. He's a, he's a decent SPL-level striker, isn't he? I think probably out with Rangers, the Celtic boys is probably the best striker in the league, if you're honest. I like... Yeah. I think the guy Ramirez is good, but I do think that Boyce is probably one of the most natural yeah. of the group in Scotland. I think he's a really good player. And yet again, when you look at, you know, obviously we're always looking to add what they consider like homegrown players to like the European rotor. Unfortunately, Boyce doesn't come under that. But you're looking for probably young Scottish players who are doing well in the league, who Rangers can go and sign in positions that maybe we need one or two. And it helps us to be added to the European group as yeah. well, so that's a big thing when you're watching these games, so like at Hearts I mean Hearts have obviously got quite a few ex-Rangers guys in there, with Andy Halliday, with Barry Mackay with Craig Halkett etc so it's interesting to see how these guys do as well but I think for Hearts at the weekend that was a great point, a really 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 good point for them Craig Gordon, somebody we've spoken about uh, yeah, William yeah. on this, we've spoken about him on this event, we've we, we done, we done a half season review of the rest and we, everyone is um, put him as well player of the season at Christmas time there and, um, Dundee United equaliser right who's the boy Smith it was it was a decent Liam Smith really good finish I just thought it didn't look like Craig Gordon I thought Gordon could have got out quicker too he could have done better with that one look I suppose it's like any goalkeeper that gets this early maybe you lose a wee step maybe he's just not reacted to it as quickly as he would maybe five years ago um, but fair, you know, Craig Gordon at the end of the day is an exceptional goalkeeper. So, like for the kid to score by him, you know, it's a fairly decent finish from him. But yeah, yeah when you look back finish. on the replay, yeah, I think when you've got a certain expectation, like obviously we've had that with Alan McGregor over the years. There's times when you watch Alan, you think he should have maybe saved that. But there's many other goalkeepers who you wouldn't think would have saved it. Ah, I you just kind of expect Gordon to make certain saves. And that was maybe one that maybe he'll look back. I mean, I've never been a goalkeeper, but I think when you watch goalkeepers of a certain standard, you know, you think they can maybe save those ones. So, yeah, he might be disappointed with that one in the end. Somebody who I want to touch on, um, John Sutter. Now, yeah, yeah, yeah. he goes off with an injury, right? He definitely gets, he goes off know. injured. It looks like he'd done it when he gave away the penalty, uh, William. Now, uh, it was a bit clumsy. I thought his studs get caught in the ground. I think it looked good for his knee. He doesn't go off. I've not heard anything since, but Stonewall penalty, I think, wasn't it? It's always the fear, isn't it? Like you sign a player on a pre contract and then you see him going down and you're thinking, yeah, that's not good. I mean, clearly, from Rangers' perspective, they would have rather had John Souter at the club right now and we could have him as an option. I mean, clearly, centre back is still a bit of an issue for us at this present yeah. moment in time. Hellander's missed a lot of games. Due to injury, Balligan's come back and then went back in and then back out again. So, yeah, when you see Suter going down, you're thinking he's all these problems with his knee and things like that. And you're thinking, 
I hope he's not done a cruciate ligament again. And I mean, that's the fear. I mean, that is the fear that you sign somebody like Suter who's had these injury issues. Yeah. And when you see him going down and you think, oh, Christ, here we go again, you know. And that's the risk you take when you sign guys on pre-contracts. You know, if they break down where does like the legal kind of contract bit hit, because officially he's still a Hearts player until the summer. See the thing. But, see the thing is with that, William. See the pre-contract. Now, what I was not led to believe, I don't know it, but this is what I thought. They, they signed the pre-contract to say I'll sign you at the end of the season, but I didn't think we'd done my medical until the end of the season. I don't know the full understanding of it, but I know players in the past who have been injured who are still with on a sign for the club. Yeah, but there's been other instances where. I think the contract's been torn up and the players went somewhere else. So I'm not, too sure, I, I'm not too sure of the full kind of legal understanding, but I would imagine the fact that Rangers have worked so hard to get to or that he would still come in the summer. But clearly, if the guy was to miss like a year of football, then that's, you know, a massive, massive, massive issue. CGM is mentioning there, but it wasn't any issues, but Suter did do his Achilles twice probably in the last year or two, but I, I thought Suter done his knee... A way back originally.ハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハ
it would have made sense. Rangers obviously weren't prepared to meet Hearts' asking price. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you know, Shooter's going to walk into Rangers in the summer and he's not cost Rangers a penny in transfer fees. So that's the thing. It's it's trying to strike that balance. Clearly in previous years, we've tried to bring guys in who we've signed on pre-contracts, but it's not happened. And then other times it has. I mean, like Jordan Jones was one of those ones and it ended up kind of coming back to bite us in the bum because he ended up scoring four Kelly against us. Yeah. So it's it's trying to strike that balance. But then again, if John Suter goes and scores a goal for Hearts, it beats Celtic in a league game before the end of the season. That's I mean, that's like the fine balancing act when you sign somebody on a pre contract. And obviously the other argument with that is if we had a player that had signed a pre contract with another club, should we allow that player to play at Rangers? Hearts have obviously allowed John Suter to do that with them. So it's, a, it's, a tough, it's a tough one, I think, when was that, that question about them? Because the Bosman rule's been a really good rule for the players, right? And they bring them in, but I think there's a real conflict there where, like, obviously, John did suit up play against us the last time, but, but it looks like we're going to be going to Tynecastle after the split. Yeah, so yeah. The questions, I mean, that's even further down the lane how crucial that would be. And I'm no questioning John Suter's integrity at all, because he probably, if he's asked to play, he'll play and whatever, but I just don't see something being as important as that, I, I, I probably think they'll take him out for that game, to be honest. I think you don't want to put the player in a difficult position. Yeah. I think that's obviously the, the problem with the Bosman. You know, that's one of the issues with that ruling, that, you know, the player is basically at another club because they're unwilling to sell for a figure that you want to pay. So it's a difficult one. I mean, you look at, I think it was uh, Tony Watt. He signed a pre-contract with Dundee United. And then within a couple of days, he'd moved from all of what he'd done, right? Because they were willing to accept the fee. Hearts weren't willing to accept the fee. Yeah. But, but then, like, Hearts' argument would be is we can't replace John Suter in this window, but they can maybe replace him in the summer. Yeah. And that's the problem. I mean, Hearts were a, a club that didn't really want to sell. Um, I mean, that's one of the points that Sharpie makes here, and it's a valid one. I would have gambled half a million for the chance to win 40 million. And that's the right average supporter to feel that way. Yeah. But Ross Wilson's sitting there saying, well, I could have bought him last summer for half a million. I'm not going to wait until his contract's basically ended and then pay half a million pounds to bring him in early. But then you'll have other people saying, well, that half a million might have been enough for us to go and get a draw at Parkhead or to get a one at Ross County or a one at Tanadice. So I... And this is a fine balancing act that every decision that you make has got ramifications. So, like, come the summer, if we end up finishing second, then it comes down to maybe a point at the end of the season because we didn't have a centre-back because we had to play Calvin Bassey in there. You know, that can be the difference. And this is always going to be the argument with, should you just pay the money and get them in the door right now? He'll be here in the summer. I think. I think it's a great. I think it's a good signing. I think it's a good. Just, just think, before, we, just before yeah. we move on to the next game, uh, William Hearts equalise right yeah. near the end. Um, we, we've spoken about Hearts recruitment. Barry McKay sets up Craig Halkett. Couple of really good, really good signings for Hearts at that level. You look. Know, I mean, I was always a big fan of Craig. Um, one of my kind of first years, I think it was watching the academy games. Craig was at Rangers. And he was a big, powerful, really strong centre back. You know, just guys like he just dominated teams. Um, 
I think it was Livingston he signed for if memory serves yeah, right. Yeah. And he obviously kind of helped him get like kind of back to back promotions. And then he went to Hearts, which which wasn't a surprise to anybody. Craig was always a good player. And it is great to see him doing well for himself. Uh, one of the guys that goes to the games with me, um, he still, you know, kind of talks to like sort of uh, some of the family members and stuff like yeah. that. You know, like it's nice to see the boys doing well for themselves. At the end of the day, Hearts are one of the biggest clubs in Scotland. So for so for Craig to leave Rangers and go to Livingston and then get that move to Hearts, that was a great move for Craig. And you look, as I see, you're always happy to see guys doing well. Barry was one of those guys. I thought Barry on his day was exceptional. I mean, like the goal against Celtic that he scored yeah. in the cup semi final, and then a couple of nights later he scored an even better one against Hibs at Easter Road and. He's forgetting, stuff, forgotten about that one, doesn't it? Aye, some of the stuff that Barry could do was exceptional. And that's the thing. But then there was many other games that he just didn't do anything. And that's how Barry's career's probably kind of went up and down and up and down. But he seems to be doing well at Hearts. And I think in Scotland, Barry is a good player. Yes. And he'll offer you that extra quality that maybe some other players don't. Some people would have argued when Barry was a free agent that maybe we should have brought him back because he would have been another one of the homegrown academy type players but when you look at what we had at that time it didn't make a lot of sense to bring somebody like that in. and at the end of the day he's playing regularly at hearts and that's where he needs to be and i think that's what barry mckay's all he's more of a he's a confidence player you know he's somebody who needs to be playing uh, william and i think he'll get that with hearts i think i can't move it william just quickly on that hearts hands down the third best team in the league this season they bother at all aren't they yeah, I think I think when you look at how consistent Hearts have basically been over the season, they've shown up most of the other teams. I mean, I'm just looking at the table now, so that's they're on fifty points. Hearts, yeah, and the team in fourth Hibs are thirty-seven. So unless Hearts have a total catastrophe at the end of the season, you know they're pretty much going to be in Europe next season, which I think is a great job for Robbie Nielsen. I think I think at times Robbie can come across as a bit pompous at times the way that he talks, but. Anyway, the league table doesn't lie, they're the first yeah. best team in the country. They are. Okay, move on to the other side of Edinburgh. Yeah, yeah. And it was uh, an absolutely cracking 0-0 draw with Hibs and St. Johnson. Now, there's no much to talk about in this, William, but when you watch the the highlights, St. Johnson have added, they've got a real bit of, see the start of the season, St. Johnson are gone. I'm famed on this one between the three years for absolutely slaughtered Callum Davidson. I've slaughtered them all season for how bad they've been, but they seem to have added a wee bit of steel to them. They look like a wee bit of nastiness about them. They've got a wee bit of, like, as if, right, fuck, we better fight here to get out of here. I thought they kind of kicked hearts at Hibs off the park at one point in this game, and that's kind of where they probably drilled their point from. I think one of the interesting things is, obviously, in January, I think the boy, yeah, Callum Henry, returned from his loan. Yeah. They obviously get the boy Hel- uh, Halberg, sorry, for Hibs, which I thought was decent business. Um, and then the boy, Bu- boy Butterfield came for the championship or something, didn't he? Uh, well, I think yeah, I think he'd played in England as well. So I think he might have been in Australia at one point of memory. Oh, yeah. right? But I mean, even some of the guys they brought in from like the League of Ireland, they brought in some guys from there. They added Nadir Chifke, who obviously knows the league at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, but I think in the end, like St. Johnston will be happy to take a point for Easter Road because... You know, they're obviously right down at the bottom of the table. It still isn't looking particularly great for them. And considering how successful they were last season, to now be sitting right down at the kind of bottom part of that table, yeah. it's not been a great season. But maybe that's where St. Johnston are. You know, when you lose, you know, like Jason Kerry Wigan, 
when you lose uh, Ali McCann, who I thought was an exceptional talent. I mean, I was always yeah. a big fan of Ali. I think at the time, maybe we could have looked at him, but if, if he was kind of true with what was paid by the English Championship Club, then I don't think Rangers would have matched that. Um, but Ali's a really good player, and you don't replace players like Ali McCann. You, you know, you're lucky to have somebody like that that comes through your academy and turns out to be a very good player. It's hard to then go back into the marketplace and pick up another one of those guys. That's they, they, the problem you've got. They really struggled. They kind of struggled to even... I don't even think they even... I don't know if they did try, but they did They did struggle. Um, the, the chat with Ali McCann is now he's going to end up moving on from, from Preston. Uh, well, he's going to be going for big, big money. You know what England's like down there? You're talking... Eight, nine, ten million. I heard was mentioned before. Now going to even Prem or Bournemouth, top of the champ, uh, second in the champ. You know, so Ali McCann apparently is flying down there. But um, just, I, mean, just that's the problem. I mean, that's kind of one of the problems you've got in Scotland, right? It's like how much is the right amount of money to ask? Obviously, St Johnston probably gets so much up front, but then there'll be additional payments that will come to St Johnston. They'll probably have a sell-on clause as well. So we followed down the line, that could end up turning into a four, maybe five million pound deal yeah. or something like St. Johnston, which is monumental for St. Johnston. You know, but the, but the problem with that is it's then it's then replacing these guys. I mean, I don't know if you remember when Stuart McCall was managing a motherboard, and I think he finished like third, third and fourth yeah. or something like that. But then he kept losing players every summer. Yeah. And then they eventually sacked him because I think they finished like eighth or ninth one season and you're sitting going, but you can't keep replacing quality. Yeah. And that's the thing you've got in Scotland. See when you have one, two, three good players and then those guys run down their contract and then go to another club because they can get more money. Most of these other clubs don't have the ability to go and then replace these guys like for like. And that's the difficulty that you've got. And Rangers are on the same boat to a certain extent. Yeah, we can pay slightly better wages. We can pay transfer fees. But come the summer, how much does it cost to replace Conor Golson? How much is it going to cost us to replace Alan McGregor? How much is it going to cost to replace Ryan Kent if he goes, or Joe Aribo, or Glenn yeah. Kamara? These are the unanswered questions, and pretty much every other club in Scotland on the same boat. When you lose somebody who is of a very good level, like Ali McCann was, St. Johnston can't go out and pay somebody five grand a week and pay a million pounds to sign somebody to replace them. I think in the end, they signed like Ali Crawford, who had left Bolton, I think it was. Aye. I mean, without being, you know, I'm not being disrespectful to Ali Crawford, but he's not a direct replacement for Ali McCann. He's not the same kind of player. No. The thing is with Ali McCann, the really surprising thing was that Preston were the only club in for him. So they never did any competition to sign him or anything. So it's a. I mean, great... like, what was I I mean, like, if that's true that Preston paid over £2 million for Ali, that was a hell of a lot of money. Maybe other clubs just didn't feel as though he was worth that money. And that's the problem you've got in Scotland. There's. there's you know, there's teams that will look at St. Johnston and think, I'm not paying £2 million for a guy for St. Johnston. And that's... Well, you buy, if, you were, if, you were, if you were, we were told it was closer to 750 grand they paid for, or even, not even 400 grand or something, it was under a million pounds. I, I think there was a lot of additional add-ons. Uh, add-ons. So, it might have been that some clubs might have said, yeah, we'll pay you your three or 400 grand, but they're not going to give you all this if they does this, if it does that, if it does And that's yeah. the problem you've got. And... That was why like, us selling Nathan Patterson for that big fee like basically opens the doors for us to use that to sell other players. 
Yeah. Because if all you make that first big sale, other clubs will look and go, well, I'm not really too sure about paying five million for him or ten million. Because that's why at the end of the day, I hate to say it, but Celtic's business has been tremendous over the years in terms of how they sell players. Many other clubs in Scotland haven't got the value for players. I mean, somebody like Calvin Ramsey at Aberdeen, I mean, Calvin's an exceptional fullback. I mean, I don't know how much Aberdeen will get for Calvin Ramsey, but it probably won't be the same fee that we got for Nathan Patterson. But it should be. But they probably won't get it because it's Aberdeen. And that's not a disrespectful meaning. It's just that English clubs look at I mean, English clubs look at Aberdeen, Mullerwell, Hibs and Hearts and just think they can probably pull for guys for a bit less money because that's how they see the Scottish League. Yeah. Just on the game, that 0-0, pretty drab game. What, what, what incident in it, which the spotlight's always on the referees in Scotland these days, right? But I think it was at Cammy McPherson went in. Uh, was that Jenner's a red for you, William? <laughs> it's tough. I think when you slow it down, it looks worse. Aye. And I think that's the problem. I think if VAR, if VAR's in place, he probably is off the pitch. But then again, when you look at VAR from week to week, a referee can make a totally different decision to the guy that did. I mean, I've watched some of the EPL games recently, and you're sitting going, wow, that was a shocker. But then, because the referee's given a yellow, the VAR won't overturn it, and you're sitting going, right, okay, that was a red card last week, and exactly the same kind of tackle. I mean, VAR's one of these things. It'll be interesting if it does come in in the summer. They need to make sure that they get it absolutely spot on. Because that kind of game yesterday, eh, sorry, like, um, a couple of days ago, if St. Johnston go on to lose that game... It's massive. It is, mate. So this is where like, VAR's going to come in next season, I think, in a lot, a lot of ways. Yeah. And I agree, it depends. Like Some guys would watch that tackle and say it's only a yellow. Some guys will watch it and say it's a red. But that's just where the system has to be perfect. And when VAR is implemented, it's got to be bang on. And, I mean, I agree. I think the rest of the country at the moment are poor. I'm not a big believer in, you know, nice. either pro Rangers, pro Celtic. I just think the standard they officiate in Scotland is not great. And even at the under-18 game in, in Friday night that I was at against Hibs, the standard they officiating was pretty, pretty poor. And it's just worrying that even with VAR, that we might still not get it hundred percent right, but we we'll just need to wait. It, it, it annoys me, William, because there's probably a the chief exec or whatever he's called the whole Scottish football raking in like nearly half a million a year. I reckon there's guys out there that would happily accept a fifth of that as their annual salary and do a better job for Scottish football. It's annoying. Um, well, believe that. Hibs yeah, Johnson. Sorry, mate. No, mate, better in that says. Yeah, we'll leave that. Hibs and Johnson now. Now, just before we go, Sean Maloney's come into Hibs. What's your initial reactions? I like the way that he's trying to play football, but I don't think it's kind of worked yet with all the players that he's got. Um, Hibs have always been a team, even since I was a young boy, that always played football in, a, in quite a good manner. Um, and they're always a team that's caused us problems, obviously. You know, it's always been a bit of a rivalry there with Rangers yeah. and Hibs. But it'll be interesting to see how long they give them. Because at the end of the day, football is a results-based business. And if you're not winning enough games of football, you're going to come under the same pressure that Jack Ross come under. Yeah. And that's think, the problem. Yeah. I think you know, Motherwell have probably, and we'll, we'll touch on Motherwell in yeah, the next yeah, game here, that actually takes us into Motherwell. But I think they showed good patience with Graham Alexander. And I think it's okay. kind of paid off for them because they've flipping flop between fifth and sixth and they're trying to push for top six. Whereas at the start when he came in, they were, they were down the bottom. Um, but he's kind of... 
persisted and eventually the kind of coaching will come in and he's maybe brought in one or two players. So Hibs will, I think Hibs will get there. I think um, third, fourth, fourth or fifth probably it would be where Hibs will be. Takes into Motherwell Dundee game, yep. uh, William. Bit of a shock because everybody's wrote Dundee off. Now they probably are written off, but they'll be happy with a with a, with a point there. And um, I know McGee's. Came, what, was your, what was your thoughts initially before we touch on that game of them bringing in Mark McGee and he's got a six game touchline man? I thought his time. Is that the old pals act? Aye, because I thought his time in football had long gone to be honest with you. And yet again, it goes back to the merry-go-round of football managers in Scotland who seem to get jobs, even though they've done a terrible job somewhere else. There was a lot of good young managers out there that would have fitted Dundee a lot better than him. And to be honest, I think it's going to be a big call for Dundee come the summer. If they're back in the Championship, it's not going to be as easy to recruit a manager of a good enough standard. I thought McPake was doing okay. I get that people were, were disappointed in that they hadn't won that many games prior to, I think, the Hearts victory. I think they'd only won, like, one in eight or one in nine, yeah. I think it was. But see, at the end of the day, surely, like, sort of Dundee's remit at the start of this season was just to stay in the league. Okay. So, I, like, I don't really know where some people are looking. And I think that's probably still the same philosophy for another two or three teams in Scotland. It's just staying in the Premier League is where they need to be. But for me, McGee, I don't... I mean, I don't want to say much, too much because we've also got to play them twice in the next two weeks and you could say something silly and it gets back to biting the bum kind of thing. But I think for Dundee to go and get a point against Mollowell in the end was a really good point for them. Mollowell, I think, will be really disappointed. I, I heard, you know, Graham Alexander's comments after the game and he, he, he wasn't exactly delighted with the point, was he? So I think his mentality is that they should be beating Dundee and he's yeah. probably right. He, he is probably right. I think they've got one or two really good players, Mullerwo. Um I like the boy Van Veen up front. I think he's a big physical presence. Yeah. The boy Willery that plays wide, he's got a real decent turn of pace. Um, at the end of the day, like Liam Kelly's an exceptional goalkeeper. They've got a Scottish international right back. You know, they've got Liam Donnelly, who I think has obviously been captain of an island. Um, They've got some young players as well. Uh, I really like the boy. I think it's Ross Tierney. I think his name is. I think they brought him in for the League Island. He looks as though he's a decent wee player. Um, so, yeah, again, it'll be interesting to see how that that works out over the next couple of years. He obviously knows the English market really well, Graham Alexander, having coached yeah. down there. And that seems to be a market that they've used and kind of utilised really well. Let me just touch on your Scottish international fullback now. Yeah. Dundee got 1-0. Stephen O'Donnell's came in for pelters. Like, see on this, see even on this, we've we've slaughtered them. Um, what was he? He's, def- he's so slow sometimes. It looks like he's running backwards sometimes, uh, William. But well, I think it goes back to when when he left Kilmarnock. There was a lot of talk about him going to England. I think he thought he was going- yeah, I think maybe he thought because he was a Scotland internationalist and that he was leaving Kelly that maybe he was going to get his payday. In the end, it never really kind of turned out that way, and he signed a short-term contract with Mullow, then he signed a, a more longer-term one. Yeah, maybe that's just, you know, he's never had that kind of burning speed as a full-back. He probably reads the game reasonably well. He covers the kind of centre-back kind of pairing kind of well because he can cover inside. But he's obviously got his failings. 
and I think yet again, you know, he's probably going to look back at that one and be disappointed by, you know, of what he's actually trying to do. And I'd imagine after the game, the manager probably had something to say to him about that, you know. Some well, supposedly one of his more experienced, but he actually lost his place as well in the team. So, nah, I've not been impressed with Steve O'Donnell. I think probably I'd be, well, you know, Stevie Clark likes his people that he trusts and stuff like that. But and by all intents and purposes, Steve O'Donnell's a bit of a teacher's pet, so he might probably keep his place in the squad. But with the fullbacks Scotland have got, Calvin Ramsey, Hickey, then you've got your Robertsons and Tierneys, Patterson, Steve yeah, O'Donnell's going to be anywhere near the, the squad probably going forward. But, when you look at the actual quality of fullback that Scotland has, we like obviously Tierney and Robertson on the left hand side, be Calvin Ramsey, be Nathan Patterson on the right. Hickey can play both sides. Either. So you basically get five fullbacks there that are of an exceptional quality. Um, so yeah, like, without you know, I'm not trying to like sort of detract from Stephen O'Donnell. He's done well to become a full international, but it feels like his time should have passed now. And the guys like Calvin and Nathan and Aaron are going to take over and be that next. Because at the end of the day, when you look at that Scotland fullbacks, they're of a very good standard. Very it's, good. It's probably the strongest part of our team now. When you look at the national team, the fullbacks are exceptional and they're probably going to go on. I mean, I would imagine Calvin Ramsey leaves this summer. You know, somebody will pay maybe four, five, six million pounds to sign Calvin Ramsey and I think he'll go on to be a very very good player. Aaron Hickey made a huge call to go to Italy. I mean, that was a massive call to go there. But he's went there and been absolutely exceptional. Yeah. So, I think there's already been chatter that Gerard was interested when he was at yeah. Rangers. So, don't be surprised if Aston Villa put in a big wedge of money for him in the summer. And I think he could be a really good player in the EPL. Yeah, I think, was it, he's the most minutes played for any teenager in the, in the top European leagues, Aaron Hickey. So yeah, I, think... I mean, I mean, I obviously try and catch some of the kind of you know the Italian football, the German football when I get an opportunity. And whenever I've seen Aaron Hickey, you know, he seems to have progressed over there. Maybe that's just the Italian kind of mentality because obviously defending is very much an art yeah. for him over there, and maybe that's helped him develop. But see, to me, that kid's probably going to go for over ten million pounds when he comes back to England. You know, I think I, I just think somebody will pay really, really, really good money for him. Yeah. And Hearts will benefit out of exciting. Hearts have got a sell-on fee as well. So Hearts will benefit further down the line as well. Yeah. All right, we'll move on. That was that one each. Um, oh, no, I just wanted to touch on, you. Touch, you sorry, just before we move on, you touched on Big Van Veen. He's another yeah. one we've spoke about being a really good SPFL-type striker. Strong. Yeah. He's got a bit of technique about him as well, but Dundee have a... Dundee, yeah, well, you we have like two or three chances to clear that ball, man, and they don't, and that's been Dundee's season defensively oh, atrocious. Yeah, well, I think they have issues defensively. I mean, like, I think it was Cammy Kerr, Jordan Marshall, Ryan Sweeney, and Lee Ashcroft. Probably know their strongest back four, but when you've got guys missing and they're kind of short on the bench, I think it's one of those ones. You're probably just happy to come away with the point, but yeah, yeah, they'll be disappointed. I think whenever you get ahead in a league match, you probably feel as though you should be good enough to win it. And that's obviously one of the issues that you've got there. Yeah. I mean, I think Mullowell, when you look at player for player, Mullowell are a better team. You know, they've got a better start in the loving. They've got a stronger bench. They'll feel as though they should have won that game. So in the end, Dundee will come away thinking that's a really good point for us. But Dundee's going to be in for a real, real battle to stay up in this league this season, in my opinion. 
By the way, Martin's texting me mid-pod saying, William's knowledge is mental, man. <laughs> <laughs> right, I know, really just, a bit more. Well, I, I, you should, well, no, I'm kidding on. Um, Dundee, just before we move on to the, the penultimate game, Dundee get rid of Mark McGee. He doesn't stay. He's only there at the end of the season. He'll get relegated. Do you think Charlie yeah. Adam gets a sniff of that? I suppose it depends if Charlie wants to give up playing because I don't think you could still play and be a manager these days. I just think it's too much for the player. Um, he's, he, he, he's been moving about the park like he wants to give up. See, the thing with somebody like Charlie, he would probably need somebody experienced in there with him. You know, he would need maybe somebody that has maybe coached in Scotland or has managed in Scotland who's prepared to come and be his assistant or maybe work as one of his coaches. It's either about or you go for somebody who's doing well and maybe a League One or a League Two. Kevin Thompson. Like Kevin, I, like Kevin Thompson's going to come up and come up and come up and come up because every time somebody loses their job in the Championship or the Premier League, Kevin Thompson's name's going to be mentioned. I also think, when you look at Hartley, yeah. I think he's done a pretty good job at Cove Rangers. All right, like people will say that Cove have had the money to spend, so it's been easier to do that. Um, I still think when you look at the Championship, Dick Campbell, incredible. <laughs> Incredible what he's done. Unreal. Would he be allowed to do that at maybe a top flight club? I don't know. This is the problem you've got. You don't know how it works going for part time to full time. Of course. But by God, that man knows how to get results in a football pitch. So, you know, it stuns me that smaller managers manage to go for go for job to job to job, but he just gets overlooked. I think he's done an incredible job in Scotland. We are both. And see if a both end up in the Premier League, he's easily the manager of the year. Oh. It can't be. You know, like it can't be like sort of Ange Postacoglu. You know what I mean? As somebody who is a manager of a part-time club in the Scottish Championship can get them promoted to the Premier League, that is unbelievable. Honestly, it would be probably Amazing. one of the things to be done in Scottish football, bringing a broth into the Premier League by an absolute distance. Listen, it will only happen. What, 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 can it happen, surely, can it? Remember Falk tried to get in, they weren't allowed in because of their stadium. It's, but it's changed since then, though. I don't think there's actually any remit as to what no, the has to look like. No, I don't think there is anything in place here for memory now. I mean, I might be wrong if somebody can say otherwise in the comments, but yeah. I don't think that's the case anymore. Well, um, surely he needs to take them full time if he comes in. Well, I'd imagine in? you look at that, because being part-time in the Premier League would be extremely, extremely difficult. You know, I mean, it's... I mean, even in the championship, it must be difficult because basically all the other teams are full-time. So the fact that they've managed to compete over the whole season and still be up at the top of the table really is quite, quite incredible. Does, I know we're, we're celebrating it. Does it make a mockery of Scottish football if they come up to the Prem and they're part-time? No, I think, it, I think it shows that he's a good manager and he's yeah. got a good eye for a player and that the players are 100% committed to him. I think it probably says more about some of the full-time managers that they're maybe not getting the best out of their players. Um, I mean, I look at somebody like like Dundee. They've went for like David Hopkins to I think it was like Jim Duffy, but then they went outside the the wee merry circle of Scottish managers and they brought in Lee Bullen, and Lee Bullen's done a tremendous job. And you know why? Because he comes in and he's got fresh ideas and he's willing to do things differently. Who is this, Morton? No, uh, talk about Air United. Air United. So you're looking at that and going. Let's stop giving the old guys the same jobs every single year. Let's look at who's out there. Let's see who's actually better. And that's one of the things that I want to see. I want to see more younger managers, guys who 
have got different ideas, who are prepared to go down a different route. To me, that's massive. And yeah. I think and I think that's the only way that we'll see Scottish football get better. We need to stop giving the same guys jobs every year when somebody gets sacked. It's ridiculous. You know, yeah. let's bring through the next group of young coaches who are going to be exceptional because Scotland's always had exceptional young coaches. And it feels like at the moment we're kind of like a sort of in-between range. But there's a lot of guys who are probably going to finish playing in the next year or two who should go on to be really good coaches if they're given that opportunity. Yeah. Brilliant. Right, we'll move on to the second last game. Probably my, it's been my team, out with obviously the Rangers, it's been my, my team of the season. Love watching them. Uh, it's Ross County. Another cracking victory for County. Um, 1-0 against St. Melbourne. It was a pen. Um, it's probably, but, uh, Joseph Hungo scored it. William, mm-hmm. he's probably one of the ones that I mentioned earlier that I actually would like to see perhaps get a chance at a couple of Rangers because um, on loan for Watford, he's played in the Championship with Watford down south, so he's he's looked good this season. I think, look, this is going back to the whole thing about David Goodwill and things like that. Should Malky Mackay be allowed to manage? Many people would argue he shouldn't be allowed to, right? But when you look at some of the additions they've had over the last year or two, the boy, Jack Baldwin at centre-back, I think he's a really good player. I think he's a very good centre-back. Um, you look at their midfield, the boy, Regan Charles Cook, he's going to get a good move in the summer. You know, Ross County probably aren't going to be able to renew his contract. He's going to get a good move. William, 13 goals, two assists for a guy that plays, and I said this all night, inside forward, outside forward, left-hand side, same, same as Ryan Kent. He's got 13 goals and two assists this season, Charles Cook. I look, I was surprised. I mean, I, I was sitting in a pub with Martin. If you went to watch Rangers against Civil Service Strollers in the Lowland League, and we were sitting watching the Ross County game, he actually left before Ross County equalised. He made the right decision. I was still stuck in the pub with a bunch of Hibs supporters who celebrated Ross County scoring the equalising goal. Uh, it's it? oh, it tough going, but see on that day, Regan Cook was probably the best player on the pitch, and that tells you a lot about how good that kid was. So, I thought in the you know, like towards the end of that January window, maybe a Hibs or a Hearts or an Aberdeen, yeah. maybe 20. I mean, I don't know, maybe they did try and get him in Ross County, just totally refused to sell him. But I would imagine the boy Charles Regan Cook will get a decent move in the summer, whether that's to maybe an English League one or an English Championship club. I do think he's a very good player. Um, and his stats back that up, and that's one of the main reasons why Ross County are no longer in the relegation zone. Yeah, I mean, 13 goals, to assists. He's got Joseph Hungbo's got six goals, three assists. Hungbo's probably got goal of the season for me. He scored a ridiculous 35 yard free kick um, before Christmas time. But the two of them have looked really good. Um, big boy Jordan White up front, another big striker that for an SPL club, SPFL club like Ross County, does a job, doesn't he? But that's the thing, mate. I mean, like, so I go back to what I said earlier on. See if you've got one or two guys who are slightly above the quality of the other players in the league. That's the difference. That's why, as we go back to St. Johnston, we were talking about guys like Ali McCann. He made the difference to that St. Johnston team last year. When Ross County lose the guy Cook, are they going to be able to replace him? Probably not. You know, and this is the problem that Scottish clubs have got every single season. When you find a gem... It's impossible to keep a hold of them because these guys stay away will be touted around about League One or the Championship and somebody will offer them five grand a week 
or 10 grand a week, whatever somebody can pay them, they'll pay them a lot more money than most Scottish clubs can, and that's the reality of it. It's even I look at somebody like Cook, he reminds me of somebody like Estonia Luko back in the day, yeah. the Maverick. You know, he can do that spark, he's got a bit of pace, he's got trickery, and he scores goals. But would Rangers be allowed to bring in somebody like this guy and 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 make him part of the squad? You know what I mean? Like, is that something that we could look at doing? Would supporters accept us signing somebody for Ross County? But the stats would back up and show that this guy is a goal scorer and he'll and he'll create chances. It's something that really annoys me, Ron. As I said at the start, there I, I, I wouldn't never used to watch. See, watching it, there is players out there. Ross County, like him or not, I know Martin can't stand Malcolm McCarran. Obviously, he's had his misdemeanors, right? He's back in. What a job rate we had. There's another boy they had on loan. Is it Harry Clark? What a start the season he had. He was playing. He's a centre half for Arsenal. Yeah, he was yeah, playing yeah. right back. Was scoring goals. They moved him into midfield. Yeah. He went. He went he's, I think he went to Hibs on loan and then done his knee. He was yeah. a great player. Charles Cookson had a great season. Joe Hongbos had a great season. See, but like when these boys are there next season, Ross County are probably our favourites to get relegated. See, but the, the good thing that somebody like Mackay has got, he's got a good knowledge having coached in England. He's obviously worked at the SFA, so he's got a good idea of probably some of the best young up-and-coming talents in Scotland. And the big thing that a lot of Scottish clubs have now is people watching England under 23 games. So... A lot of guys will be down watching like Arsenal's under 23s, Spurs under 23s, and we can offer them an opportunity to come up here and play, which is maybe what they won't get down in England. And that's what Ross yeah. County have probably done better than most this season. When you look at the guy Hungbo, he, I think he's scored quite a few goals in the last three or four games, and they've been on to either get a point or win those games. So his addition on loan has been worth it tenfold because they've managed to now be well clear of the relegation zone. They're winning games of football and these guys are scoring important goals. And that's how Scottish football is. It's it's basically about finding those one or two extra quality players. Like, I mean, you could probably go through every team and pick one or two guys. Yeah. Aberdeen have got like sort of Ramirez who's going to add goals to his, his game. Mullerwell last season had Alan Campbell who was exceptional, he got his move to Luton and seems to be doing quite well. You know, you could look at even St Mum and like sort of Jim Goodwin's ability to bring in guys for the League of Ireland. Yeah. And pick these guys up and develop them and then move them on for money. That's what St Mum have done really well. I would imagine he'll probably do the same at Aberdeen, but he'll be able to offer more money. And that's the difference. And Rangers over the years, as CGM is saying, we've managed to pick off guys like Novo, Naismith, Boyd, Whitaker, Kevin Thompson, just to name a few. We've not done it as much in recent years. We've kind of picked guys who have become squad players, but we've probably not picked enough Scottish guys who have become first-team players. And that's yeah, the problem now. Do you think, since, since see, prior to Rangers getting put down to the divisions, we've done it? See, since we get put down in the divisions, William, and we've came back, I don't think a lot of clubs like that. They wanted to kill us off. Now I think when you try and buy their players, they stand firm or they, they up the price. It's somebody made, I think it was at CGM earlier that said, look, if we want to go for Lewis Ferguson, they'll want four million, but they'll sell it to a team in England for two. I think the Scott Allen thing with Hibs was another factor of that. He just didn't want to sell it to Rangers and that was the end of it. They just, I mean, there's something about our club and the rest of them. They just don't like I, us. Well, I mean, even going back to earlier on, 
see in the past, see if Nathan Patterson had left Rangers in the January window, we would have went and tried to sign Calvin Ramsey. But the reality is, Aberdeen don't really want to do business with us, and they probably don't want to sell one of their most talented young players to Rangers. Scott Wright was different, and Scott Wright's contract was running down, and we had a deal with them where Ross McCrory was going and loan to yeah. them. So it could have worked out that it benefited both clubs. Whereas if Rangers would have went to Aberdeen in January and said, look, we'll give you £2 million to take Calvin Ramsey, maybe 10 years ago that might have happened. It's not going to happen now. Aberdeen would, I don't think, will sell any of their star assets to Rangers. And I don't think a lot of other clubs want to either. You saw how Hearts basically dug their heels in and said, well, if you're not willing to pay what we want to pay, Twitter's going to stay and see out the rest of his contract. And you know what? You just have to accept it. That's how it is. But it then means that when Rangers are asked to do business with these clubs further down the line, when a team phones up and asks them to get somebody in loan, Rangers will just say, well, nah, that's okay. We would rather send it to another club because you're not willing yeah, to do yeah. business with us. And I know it seems petty, but that's how it sort of feels sometimes when you're trying to do business with other Scottish clubs now. It does feel like they see Rangers coming and they just don't want to really have any real you know, like dealings with us, it yeah. sort of feels like that sometimes. I mean, whether that's true or not, obviously only the board and Ross Wilson know that, but it does feel like that for the outside looking in. If you look at my signings, for, you see like the last 10, 12 years, there isn't much there. Um, okay. Right. We'll move on to the final game now. This is something that might be a bit foreign to MD watching, um, but we are doing best of the rest, so we do need to speak about the other lot. Um, so... They picked up the big king, right? Blue tinted glasses on or not, right? Of course, I'm going to be biased towards Rangers on this and not really speak well. I say, like, so I'm not too fussed. Um, Celtic are the first win at the Tony Macaroni slash Almond Field. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, it was like 12 years, 15 years, something like that. I might be wrong. Somebody can correct me. Uh, well, they've obviously been out of the league for a period of that as yeah. well. So I, I sometimes think these stats are a bit crazy because obviously the you know, sometimes these teams didn't play against each other for, for several years as well. So sometimes it can be a bit, you know, I mean, they've probably only played like seven games in their 15 years or something like that, you know what I mean? So it can be a bit kind of up and down these things. Look, I know there was a lot of people on social media that thought that would have been an opportunity for Celtic to drop points. See, my thing, since I was a young boy, my dad always told me the only thing that matters is Rangers winning. Yeah. So I've never really been out of my way to watch many other Celtic games other than when they play against Rangers. People would say that's silly to not do that, but my main thing has always been watching Rangers. So as long as Rangers are winning, I don't really care what Celtic are doing. But, I mean, like to go to Loveyston and win on that pitch, it is a difficult pitch. I mean, I was there earlier on this season when we won the game 3-1. It's not a great pitch. There's a lot of bobbles on it. it it's dry. Ah, it's horrible. You know, like obviously Livingston train on it, so they know the good and the bad parts of the pitch. They know how to get the ball into the box. They know how the ball bounces better than most other teams. So yeah, they do have a clear advantage playing on that pitch. So anybody, anybody in this league that goes to Livingston and wins, they deserve the three points because it's a hell of a tough pitch to play on. And I don't know if Livingston are going to do anything about that pitch anytime soon. It, it kind of feels as though it's maybe had its day, in my opinion. I think every every pitch in this country should be grass, but I understand the financial constraints that some clubs are in, and they just can't afford to do it. 
They let the comments. Can I just thank everybody for watching? By the way, I never, never imagined there'd be 117 people watching this um, the night. To be fair, um, I'll come to a few of the comments about the Celtic game, but I just want to touch on the actual game itself, right? And yeah, I'm, yeah. Going, I'm, I'm going to go there. Um, so the penalty. Do you? Is there that? Right, the two things about the penalty, right? Do you think there's anything that defender can do when he's lying on the ground like trying to slide in for the ball, William? Not really. Not really. But yeah, again, it goes back to what we spoke about earlier on in that one decision one week can be different for the like, decision the week before. Um, I know there were some guys that said it felt like it was quite a similar incident to the one that we had at Tanadice. Um, and that's the thing. One referee will see something differently for somebody else. And this is where there shouldn't be a grey area. It should either be black or white. It should either be a penalty or it's not a penalty. But the problem you've got in Scotland is some officials seem to think it is a penalty and some think it's not. So if that's referred to VAR, should it not be a penalty? This is the problem. And not conclusive of VAR, is it? Because it's still a human I mean, being. I mean, see what you do, right? You could get somebody on for every SPFL club on this podcast, right, and ask them, is that a penalty? You would have some guys saying it's not. And that's the thing. Seeing till they come out and actually clarify what's a penalty and what's not, I don't see what the Livingston player can do in that instance to get his body out of the way of the ball. And this is a problem. To me, a penalty should only be given if it's a clear handball, i.e. the player has moved his arm, either out like that or up to do it. But now they're saying it doesn't matter. I mean, like, your arm can be like that, and if it hits his arm, they're saying that it's away from his body. Well, of course your arm's going to be away from your body. You're sliding into a tackle. You know? It's like the game's gone a bit crazy. I mean, I'm obviously a wee bit older. I mean, I'm coming up for 40 this year, so the game's changed a lot. And, like, my time watching football, I mean... I remember guys in the first minute of every game looking for the, like the opposition's best player and absolutely annihilating them. And like you didn't get booked for your first tackle back in the yeah, day. I know. Like, it was a free tackle. But now it feels like the like the smallest amount of contacts are booking the 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 sort of handball in the penalty box is just getting out of control. They they definitely need to look at it now, in my opinion. And I'm not saying that because Celtic got a penalty. I'm saying it because it basically seems like every game you watch now there's a penalty for in a game because of handball. Well, we just on the Celtic game, and it was the ironic thing, right? They get a penalty for a, a, a dubious handball. The boy's sliding in, he's it's just one of the ones they miss it. Lo and behold, they hit the post, but no long after that, they get this phantom corner. Now, the funny thing about it was, I'm pretty sure that Ralston slides and handballs it at the park. He handballs it, similar to what the, the Levy defender had done, slid in, handballs it, he goes out the park, Celtic get a corner, header, header, goal. Um, do you think, do you think Celtic are getting a few more decisions than what they would have been getting after? Do you think they put a bit of pressure pre-Christmas there? I just think it's the standard they're officiating, to be honest. I mean, it's like, when you watch games in Scotland, I mean, I said, I don't, I don't watch a huge amount. I do watch the highlights back just to see like the goals and stuff like that. But it feels like anything you watch, like the, like the ref watch on Sky, there's always at least three or four incidents in Scotland. It doesn't matter like so what week it is. You could tell that there's always incidents in Scotland, and it just feels like, I mean, it is a problem with the officials. Whether 
people are willing to accept or not, the standard of officiating in Scotland has been poor. You know, and whether that's St Murn, Ross County, Hamilton, Mullerwell, teams in League One, whatever, it, like it just feels like there's always something going on in Scotland because big incidents have been missed. I mean, there was a tackle a couple of weeks ago where I think, I think it was like Mullerwell game, and somebody went in and caught somebody on the knee. Knee, I see that, yeah. And you're sitting going, how is he not seen that as a red card? Yeah. You're just, you're like, wow. I mean, like, I would have given that in a junior game or like, yeah. like an amateur game, whatever. and yet, like, we've got officials who are like five, ten yards away, staring straight at it, and they're like, "No, it's a yellow card." It's like, yeah. mate, that could have ended that player's career. That guy could have been out for for what like, yeah. a year, and you don't think that's a red card? I worry that we are maybe promoting referees because there's not enough guys wanting to do it now. And we're promoting guys who don't actually get what a bad tackle is. I mean, some of the tackles that we've seen over the last two or three years, not just involving Rangers players, involving like sort of players all over the country. Yeah. And it's like somebody's going to get such a bad injury. And I don't know if it's possible to sue a referee for incompetence, but (laughs) if somebody ends up getting a bad injury and the referee basically thinks that's not a bad tackle and maybe just books the player in your thing going, that guy should be protecting me. I mean, that's what referees are on the pitch to do. They're there to protect the players if somebody gets a bad tackle. And they're just not doing it. And that's why I'm not surprised that a lot of Scottish officials don't get picked for World Cups and European Championships and why a lot of times there are no, you know, refereeing games in the Champions League because they must look at the standard and just think, wow, you know, it really is that bad. And I hate saying it because I always try to talk up the Scottish game. I think the only way we're ever going to get more money for television deals and all the rest of it is if our game's better. Yes. But until we get a better standard of officiating, I don't really see how that's possible. And that, I, where does and it start? Mark comes in next summer. Yeah. You know, I think we need it. I just think it stops the controversy. Here are the people having to watch sports scene and they have like James McFadden talking a lot of crap on the television. <laughs> Let's just get VAR in place. See if they even need to get independent officials to sit in the VAR, like a non-Scottish referee that then stops all this crap about Rangers bias and Celtic bias. It's just that the standard of officiating is poor. It's not that one's biased against the other. I genuinely don't believe that is the case. I can honestly say, hand on heart, I don't think there's officials out there that go out of their way to help Rangers or Celtic. And if I mean, if somebody is doing that, then you shouldn't be refereeing a game of football, quite simply. It's a hard one to, it's a hard one to gauge. As soon as somebody makes a mistake, they're accused of that, aren't they? Well, let me just move on for the referee yeah, chat. Yeah. But Celtic got 1-0, right? That Maida scores a header at the back post. What's your thought on a lot of football nowadays don't have men in the back post? Again, Livy didn't have a man in the back post. Man in the back it's, post, he does that away. I think it's one of those ones where they don't want to play people onside by having guys on the post. So they always try and be a wee bit higher. Um, it, it was another one of those phases in football that every team had somebody on the post and now you probably don't see it as much as you once did. Um, I think by having people on the post, it means that the opposition can have more players closer to the goalkeeper and they're obviously onside. And I think that's why less and less teams are doing it now. Um, I'd imagine over a league season, if you watch maybe some goals that go in, you could argue for and against it, you know? Yeah, Celtic go two up. Well, I don't know if you've seen it. I thought there was a. I don't want to come across as better, right? But I thought it was a handball in the build-up. I thought Rogic 
kind of catches it and throws it about. But and a, a couple of the Levy players claim for it, but they play on and they score eight in it for you. Yeah, again, I guess the whole handball thing to me is just yeah, I know. They've got to come out and clarify it, and this is why like so many people get so angry about it because nobody's ever come out and clarified it. Nobody. It's like you could watch like Sky and you're like you're listening to Gary Neville and he says, "I don't think that's a penalty." But then they'll get back to the studio and speak to somebody who's been an ex-referee and say, yeah, Gary, that's a penalty all day, every day. And they was like, well, I played the game at the top level for 15 years. That is never, ever a penalty. How can you, as a referee, having never played at that level, tell me that that's a penalty? It's like the player has non-intentionally handled that ball. This is why that a lot of people have wanted ex-players to become referees. Yeah. Because they understand the game. They understand when bad things or bad tackles or it's a clear handball. Too many officials watch these videos at FIFA send or UEFA send to them and say, that's a penalty. Do they, well, do you think they just play about with the rules every season? They change it, change it to the shot. They, they change rules all the time that probably nobody can keep up with what the true rules are. In the game going forward anyway, that's probably what the problem is as well. The rules I mean, are changing look, every season. I mean, you look at all these different rules we've had, we've had the six-second rule, which is still apparently a rule, but nobody ever gives it, right? I think it was like America, was it USA 94, where like you couldn't tackle for behind? Oh, and that's that's a farce, was it? That was a and farce. Happened, and yet that happens every week now. And yet, like that used to be a straight red card. If you tackled anybody for behind, it was a red card. And then they bring in the six second rule to quicken goalkeepers. That is still a rule. See, if you look at the rule book, the six second rule still exists, but nobody ever gives it. So, what's the point of having the rule? See, yeah. like, what, like, it's like the back pass rule. Nobody really ever gives a back pass. You know, I mean, there's been quite a few this season that I've seen that have been blatant back passes, but the referees just don't give it. It's just well, one of the. Well, well, you remember when um, Denmark won the Euros? That was a disgrace. They brought that rule in to stop the game being killed like that. It was horrendous. But the reality is, the, like, so a new rules come in every year and it doesn't really feel as though they're doing what they're supposed to do, which is to quicken the game up and the ball's non-play enough. Aye. I mean, I think right. there was a game recently that I watched where I think it was something like 37 minutes of action in a 90 minute game. Remember, the ball was either out a player stopped for over 50 yeah. minutes. That's diabolical. How can you like, pay like 50 quid for a football ticket and get 37 minutes of action? Sounds like a Motherwell type of thing, didn't it? That's what that sounds like. Anyway, Celtic yeah. go Celtic go 3 0 up the day, but they did they've done well all season. They hunt the ball in packs and they what they yeah. did, they hunted the ball well done. Forrest got a good goal, right? I want to touch on and listen. They're top of the league. They've there's been a big swing. It's a nine point swing since uh, Gio came in. Celtic are three clear. Um, we're saying if we win our games, we win the league. They'll be saying the same. They win their games, they win the league. Of course. Um, what I want to say is they've got vulnerabilities. Um, three times in this game, William, a ball for a, a set piece or a or a long throw cost them. So in the first half, I think a corner went in and big overlight at the back post. Joe Hart saves it. Then. The free kick comes in the first half. Obelai, he does it, hits the bar. And then lo and behold, near the end, the long throw, Obelai wins the header again, and Shinny scrambles it in. They definitely still have this vulnerability with cross balls. Look, at the end of the day, Rangers and Celtic have both got 
vulnerabilities and both of them are defensive. You know what I mean? That's the simple reality of it. Um, if you've watched any Celtic games in Europe, you can see that they lose a lot of goals. If you put pressure on Celtic defensively, you can hurt them. It's that simple. And it's the same with Rangers. If you put pressure on Rangers defensively, you can hurt them. The problem that, that teams have had more and more this season with Celtic is that they're struggling to get at them enough. And yeah. that's where teams are not really hurting them. That's why the the split will be the biggest test for Rangers and Celtic yet again, because those are the toughest games. You're playing against the best teams at the top of the league. So whoever ends the season in top will deserve it, because whoever can come through this next phase of eight games will be the best team in the country. Because yeah, the, the, league table, the league table doesn't lie at the end of the season. The most consistent team wins the league title. That's just like the honest truth of it all. You know what I mean? We should be further ahead in this league. You know, we were six points ahead and then we dropped some poor points and we never stopped the kind of raw of away game like performances. And that's what's really hurt us. But there's eight games to go. Whoever wins the most games between now and the 38th game of the season is going to be league champions. And I love it. I think, you know, I always prefer a tight title race personally. Don't get me wrong. I was thinking complaining oh, last week. Over, but I like yeah. the no, like, I mean, I've been lucky. I mean, I've been, I was at like Hibs that day when we won the league when Celtic lost at Mullerbone and stuff like that. So, those memories will love with me, you know, forever. So, yeah, yeah like, those memories are as special now as they were all those years ago, mate. So, I do love a, a tight title race. I think it it grips the country, it makes every game that little bit more exciting. Like at the weekend, there, you know, you're sitting in the 79th minute going, oh. Crap, we're about to drop an air two points here, and then obviously Kamar Roos scores, and the world team is like a brighter place again, you know. Because those three points are massive. Every three points between now and the end of the season is massive, absolutely huge. We just need to keep winning games, and the European games are great, obviously, for us because it's a wee bit of a breakaway for playing Scottish teams, and that's a great thing for us as well, obviously. Yeah. Just, just to touch before we finish, um, so a lot of comments, folks. Listen, we never expected to have this many people watching. Um, this is best of the rest. I'm not even going to touch the Rangers Aberdeen game because that's done on a preview. It's done on a um, match the action, and we've got we've got our midweek flagship podcast tomorrow night. That's going to be on as well, half seven. Uh, Martin will be on with a few of the lads uh, tomorrow, so. We'll touch all things Rangers again. We just want the best of the rest to touch on every other club that for that week. We'll chat about players and stuff. Before we finish, um, we did beat Aberdeen uh, 1-0, William. Are, are Aberdeen in trouble? When you look at the league table, it tells you they are. I mean, it's just that simple. Um, it's the reason the manager lost his job. It's, it's the reason they've had to pay a good amount of compensation to take... Jim Goodman face at Mullen, and I do think Jim Goodman will prove to be a good manager for Aberdeen. But I think it still goes back to what we spoke about pretty much throughout this entire podcast. Recruitment is everything. Yeah. Recruitment in any league in the world is everything. Whether you've got money or you don't have money, recruitment is everything. Aberdeen got their recruitment probably wrong in the summer. You know, they probably brought in the wrong manager um, who probably didn't do what the owner was looking for, which was to instill a kind of different mentality of bringing through a lot more younger players and then having four or five good players around about them, if that's how they looked. I mean, that's how it seemed to look from the outside. 
Jim Goodwin, I think, will instill a balance of like defending and attacking. So I think he has been a good appointment. But they've probably got it eight months late. And that's how it is in football. You know, see, at the end of the day, a manager is only a good manager when he does well. And I know that sounds a really daft thing to say, but at the end of the day, if we get to the end of this season and we don't want anything, is Gio under pressure? Yeah, he is. 100%. It's that simple. And if Dundee get relegated, are they under pressure to appoint the right manager? Of course they are, because they need yeah. to come straight back up again. Does it mum rush into the appointment of Stephen Robinson? Should they have waited a few more weeks to get somebody else? Only time will prove if that was the right appointment or not. This is what football is all about. You never know when you appoint a manager if he's 100% going to be the right guy. And when you allow him to recruit players, it could take years to reboot that team again. And this is a problem that every team's got. So, yeah, look, it'll be interesting at the end of the season. I think there'll be a few swings in the kind of fourth, fifth, sixth position. But it looks like they, they bottom two or three teams are, you know, they're just going to have to battle out to see yeah. who's going to finish bottom and then who finishes in the playoff spot. We look at the table, obviously, Rangers and Celtic, we're so close, we're, we're three behind them. Then you've got Hearts, who are clear ahead of the rest. Hearts, yeah. we've called this one Hearts cement third. They, they, even a point, um, Tana Dice, that probably cements Hearts into third. The next one's so interesting. Um, Hibs and Levy, both on 37. I tipped Levy before, at the start of this um, for, to get relegated, but the, David Martin, they what a job he's done. Then you've got Ross County. I mean, Ross County have came from nowhere in the last few weeks into the top six, but from really from Aberdeen up to Hibs, there's only a five-point gap between first well, and I mean, Aberdeen could potentially win their next three games and end up in the top six. And then people say, well, it's not been that bad of a season. <laughs> you know, but that's, I mean, that's why Scottish football is a bit crazy at times. So if fourth down to tenth, there's only five points between the teams. But it also shows how inconsistent most of those teams have been over the season. I mean, when you look at Hibs, Hibs have probably got the third best squad in the league. When you look at the players that Hibs have got, when you look at the money that sort of Maloney was allowed to spend, all right, I know they sold, obviously, the boy Boyle, but you look at the money they've spent to bring in some of these guys in that window, Hibs are probably the third strongest team in the country mm. with the players that they've got. But the reality is, they could finish outside the top six. Six, yeah. yeah. And that affects next season's budget. Because when you finish outside the top six, you lose the money. Because there's no something like between 300 and 400 grand a position, I think, or something like that works yeah. out. So if you end up dropping outside the top six, that's a monumental amount of money to lose. For Ab- see, see in that, William C. for Aberdeen to be sitting 10th, that's an absolute decision. For them, if they finish that position, I, you know what, because what are we in? They're eight points ahead of St. Johnston. I think St. Johnston's we run the news just too late for St. Johnston. St. Johnston have only scored 18 goals all season, right? So I think, I think Dundee and St. Johnston will be the bottom two, but Hibs and Hearts, for me, I feel like the Edinburgh clubs now have a kind of step away from Aberdeen, whereas Aberdeen used to be the third biggest team. I think players would rather go to Edinburgh, go to the capital, than go up to, go up to the North East. I don't think there's money up there anymore. There's no lifestyle up there, is there? See, but the problem you've got, I mean, I was just looking at the stats here quickly. Aberdeen have played 16 away games this season. 16 away games, they've won two. That's shocking. So for a team like Aberdeen, all right, but in the main, they're probably looking to win home games. 
But away from home, you can't have played 16 away games in one, two. That's absolutely shocking. And this is what I keep going back to, and we'll talk about it probably in other pods. In Scotland, recruitment's everything. And at the end of the day, Aberdeen's recruitment last summer probably has shown that they've not been as strong as what they should have probably been. When yeah. you look at some of the other teams, I mean, Ross County have only won five games at home and four games away. So they've only won nine games out of 30. Nine games they've won out of 30, and yet they're sitting in six. So that shows you how that shows you how inconsistent teams have been over the season. I mean, a team that's won nine games out of 30 shouldn't be sitting six. Yeah. I mean, like, they're not even one in one in every three, and yet they're still sitting in six. The league, the, the league has been crazy this year. There's been just so many so many teams drawn with each other, so many teams beating yeah. each other. Um, aye. So what have we got left? Eight games, mate? Eight, eight games to go? Mate, well, there's obviously eight games for some teams, and I think the St. Martin Dundee game, I think, I think they've got nine. Because they're on yes. 29 games. So, look, these next three to four games for teams is massive because... Teams will be pushing for the top six for financial gains because obviously if you're playing against Rangers and Celtic and you've got an extra home game against those two teams, it's great financially. You finish in the bottom six, you then don't have Rangers or Celtic to play against, so you lose money out of that. And then when you look at the bottom, when you look at the bottom two teams in the league, Dundee's on 23 points, but they've got a game in hand as it joins them who are on 24. One of those two are getting automatically relegated and the other one's probably going into the playoffs unless Aberdeen have a complete catastrophe in the remaining end of the season, which they could do. There's nothing to say they won't, but I just think Dundee are gone. I, want, I, think, I think St. Johnston have got more about them than what Dundee have. have. See if St. Johnston have to play two playoff games against a team in the Championship. Come on, no nah. It's not a given, and I think that's... You know, if St Johnston were to go for one in the two cups last season to get relegated to the championship within a year, let, let me jump in there, right? Because I want to finish. I said to Matt, we'll do this for a wee half hour. We'll do a wee live best <laughs> half an hour, right? An hour and twenty. I'm still trying to eat my dinner. Look, my dinner's still sitting here. <laughs> and last question, then, right? And then we're going to end it there, folks. Aye. If St Johnston get relegated, does Callum Davison get the sack? Wow, I, uh, you would have to say yes because when you get a team relegated, generally somebody will get sacked. That's yeah. generally how it was. He's probably still in his job right now because of what he did last season. If this was any other season, he would have probably lost his job by now. So I mean, what they did last season was phenomenal. But yeah, again, it goes back to recruitment. And when you lose some of your best players and you don't Not replace them, it absolutely kills you. And that's been St. Johnston's problem all season. They've not scored a lot of goals and they've not won a lot of games. And yeah. I think, I mean, like, I mean, something we could do between now and the end of the season, if people agree with it in the comments, is that we could maybe pick a player for each team and talk about them maybe, you know, being a potential Rangers signing. Yeah. If people want to give us some names of players that maybe we've not spoke about tonight, whether it's somebody that's at Mullen or Ross County or Mullerwall or Hearts or Hibs. If you've got a name of a player, we can do a wee insight into them. Maybe we can do a wee bit of your stats, breakdown, goals, assists, minutes. What would they bring to Rangers? Would they be a starter? Would they be a bench player? Would they be a squad player? If people have things like that, we're always happy because 
the answer's a live pod that we didn't really think we were going to do, but we're going to give it a bash and see yeah. how it goes. So if anybody's got any ideas or comments, fire them into us and we'll look to add that to future pods. Yeah. Before we finish as well, folks, the other thing we'd also thought of is trying to get guests on. Now, depends how big this gets. I know sometimes as soon as you mention Rangers, people want to be interested. We have been speaking to a few folks. Some folk have said they're going to come on. I'd also like to even try and get some of the podders for other clubs, see if they'd come on and have a bit of, even a bit of banter and a bit of turn and throw. And I think it makes it all for fun as long as we keep it nice and uh, clean. Um, but we'll see how that goes. But William, thanks for coming on, man. An hour and 22 minutes later. <laughs> I know I'm starving sitting here, man. <laughs> right. Anyway, thanks for everybody for watching. Um, hopefully that was a, a success. We'll probably try and keep under an hour uh, as we go on, but that was good for a starters, folks, and I just want to thank everybody for everybody for joining us there. And um, We're back. Listen, Rangers Rab are out all week this week. William, you're back tomorrow, aren't you, with the Academy Review? Yeah, no, Wednesday. Wednesday. Wednesday with the Academy Review. Um, flagship midweek podcast slash Red Star Review preview, sorry, is tomorrow. Um, so, yes, everybody, thank you for joining us. We'll take care. Cheers, guys. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.